I say? A short time. I'm just coming from a meeting. I left in the middle of a meeting with Rabbanim and some professionals about um, what's been going on, not only in our neighborhood, but obviously we're more jarred by what's been taking place in our neighborhood, that over the course of the past, since November, a little bit before November, approximately nine young people have died in our community. Some of them, most of them at Levi, is, is other things were spoken about, obviously, of why they died and the, covering up the truth of what was going on. Not that it should be spoken about at Levi, but but people, young people who, who couldn't uh, go on living and who were dying for a long time. And they... There was a specific date where they actually left this world, and there's a yard site, but it was a process. And I'm just talking about this. And and as you recall, last week, I explained that we're going to be talking about three different sugyas. The first sugya is to try to understand nefesh hana'ar, to understand... What is it? What is it nowadays, more than ever before, what is it that's troubling, that's tormenting many of the young people as they're transitioning from childhood to adolescence? To, to understand, according to the Torah, I'm not, a, I'm not a psychologist, to understand according to the Torah, what is the nature of a na'ar? I don't mean that in the Yiddish use of a nar, because that's more about us. I'm talking about a nar, an adolescent. What is it that what is it that's going on in their minds and their hearts to try to understand how Peter? That's going to take us a month or two to talk about that, just an introduction, and and then to talk about specifically the Koach HaMashiach of the Yetzer, when it comes to Inyonim of Shemir Sabris, that Taiva of Shemir Sabris, Yesav HaTzadik. And then we're going to talk about how to deal with the feeling of failure, of how to try to recover, to bring the Hever back, and what we need to talk to kids about who are, who have already evaluated themselves as of being failures in the Indian of Yesod But without the first part, it would be very, very silly. And even though I'm talking about, we're talking about young people and the relationships between young people and their parents, obviously we're talking about ourselves, and we always have to learn about ourselves. In order to break the silence... That's what that's what we we're doing. We have to begin to work on breaking this silence between parents and children, primarily between fathers and sons. When it comes to this Indian of Yosef at Sadik, remember the last thing last week. What what I what I mentioned is that is that more and more our children are beginning to divide their lives in half. They see the Torah as something that's interesting, that's fascinating, that's even beautiful that they learn about in yeshiva, and they hear about at the Shabbos table, and so on. But then there's life. And there's a very big divide between what they're learning and how they're living. 
And because of the silence when it comes to this area of Kedusha Sebris, from a very, very early age, from when they first begin to hear some rumors and reverberations of strange things that they never heard about, from a very early age, the kids, particularly the boys, the girls as well, but particularly the boys, are um, going underground. They're going underground. Parents are not talking to the boys. The father's not talking to the boys. The boys are not talking to their fathers about these things. They'll learn over, They'll learn about Gemara. They'll talk over Tysus. They'll talk in learning. They'll talk about other interesting things that they think their parents will be will be will have nachas from and so on. But they're not talking about what they really want to talk about. And they're chalishing to talk about. They're not talking to their parents about that. So we have to find a new way. It's very unconventional, very untraditional, because for the most part, with, with few exceptions, over the years, we didn't talk to our children about these things. We don't have a messiah like this. So we have to find a new mahalach. We have to find a new mahalach of how to deal with this, of how to break the silence. There's an amazing, there's an amazing medrash. In the medrash, I think the medrash really is zeroing in on this this paradigm shift that must take place in the relationship between fathers and sons in particular. Yaakov Avinu was, again, I want to, we can learn everything in the context of, of Torah. Yaakov Avinu was preparing the stones that would be used for the gal aid for the bris that was going to take place between him and Lavan. So it's a very strange pasuk. Yaakov said to his brothers, are you familiar with any uh, brothers other than the one famous one or infamous one? And he and he wasn't talking to him. So Vayomer Yaakov Le'echav Liktu Avonim. And Yaakov said to his brothers, Hever, help me gather together some stones to create this gal for the bris. The Medrash asks, who, who are these brothers? Is there something about the family that we don't know? Who are these brothers? And the Medrash answers that the Pasuk is referring to Yaakov Vino's children, to his sons. It's fascinating. Le'echov, the Medrash says, Elubonov. His brothers really means his sons. Shulkari Aisan Belashan Hakaidash Echav. That there is such a possibility that in Lashan Hakaidash, the Medrash says that in Lashan Hakaidash, that a, that a brother could be referring to a child. That's what the Medrash says. And then remarkably, a little bit further, Vayizbach Yaakov Zevach Bahar, Vayikr Le'echav Le'echolechem. He invites, he invites his brothers to join him to have a su'uda, to join him to eat. Again, the measure says, Dichi Echav Hayu? Did Yaakov, you know, brothers besides Eisav? Who's about his brothers? Dichi Echav Hayu? Vahalei Bonav Hayu? He's talking about his sons. Listen to this. 
from the time that his sons reached the height of his shoulder, they're becoming big boys. I guess we would say they were they were by mitzvah at that time. He compared, he compared his children to him, Dima Aisanlo. He began to look at them in a way that resembled himself as they were growing and they were reaching his height. Dima Aisanlo. And he began to refer to them, obviously not all the time, but he would begin to refer to them as brothers. That's what it says in the Medrash, on the Pesach, which is saying the Pshat Nechomish. That's the Pshat Nechomish. He's talking to the children. He's talking to his sons. What the Medrash is saying, and again, I'll, I'll read you a sentence from the Nitziv. What the Medrash is saying is that there is a transition that takes place in the life of a boy where he changes on some level from a ben, from a son, to an ach, to a brother. Now, you have to be very clear. Obviously, Chazal are not saying chas v'sholem, that the maimed of the father, the respect of the father in any way, is compromised by this. And we're not talking here about about um, about uh, being buddy buddy first name basis and so on and so forth. We're talking about children, about Yaakov's sons, and they're not his brothers, and that always has to be very very clear. But what the Medrash seems to be telling us, which is Pshat and Chumash, what the Medrash is telling us is that. Then as the as the boy matures into a man, is in that tahalich of maturing into a man, which we call adolescence, as the boy enters into that and begins to move forward on the journey towards being a man, that the nature of the relationship between the father and the son must mature as well, must adjust to that change that's taking place means that there needs to be some sort of hischadches, something different. Some hischadches, some kind of a change. There's a difference between achva, a relationship of brotherhood, brothers, and a relationship between parents and children, a father and a son. The most obvious and basic differences <coughs> that when he's a little boy the parents during the time that he's a child the parents carry upon their shoulders the entire burden of this child's behavior they carry it upon themselves and th- that's why during the time that he's a boy what defines the relationship is very, very obvious and very clear. It's called obedience. That's what defines the relation. Now, little children can be difficult, but it's uh, like I, like we spoke about a little bit last week. That's a clinic and the clinic service. 
what what defines the relate what defines the relationship between a father I'm using father it means parents but primarily we're focusing on father and son between a father and his little boy what defines the relationship is obedience the father expects that the parents demand that something changes that as the boy matures the Torah is telling us that instead of obedience, pure, old-fashioned, do this, don't do that, obedience, what's called in Lashon Akash, morus, asirara, authority, and control, that this is, that this is transformed, or must be transformed, into a relationship that is defined primarily by achva, brotherhood. In other words, until now, your chinuch, Yankala, Maishala, until now, your chinuch rested entirely upon my shoulders. And therefore, I had to tell you, don't cross the street. I had to tell you. Stand up and an old person comes into the room. He needs a chair. I had to tell you these things. And your response had to be, while you were a boy, obedience. Yes, Daddy, Abba, Tati, whatever you are. Yes, obedience. From this point and on, there begins. <coughs> it's not. A, it doesn't happen in one day. If it does, then the, everybody ends up by therapists. But it's a gradual process. What begins to change is that as the child enters into that period of adolescence, we need to shift from a hierarchy of obedience to a type of a relationship that's a shutfus. That's a shutfus. It's no longer about mommy and daddy telling you what to do. At this point in the child's life, at this point in the child's life, he's trying to come to terms with who he is. He's beginning to go through a nasira, a separation to begin to see himself as somebody distinct from his parents. He's no longer an extension of his father. He's trying to understand who he is. So the Nitziv explains, you don't have this in front, you don't have this on the page. The Nitziv explains, V'adayin tzarech ta'am, Lama be'emes lo'itziv v'la'avodu v'shivchaisav la'asas kein. First of all, as you all know, Yaakovino had quite a big staff. Yaakovino had, had a lot of people that worked for him. So the first question that Chief asks is, why did Yaakovino have the sons, have the boys, um, get involved in this uh, collection of stones to, cre- to create this gal, this uh, heap of stones for the bris between him and Lavan. He has a vodum he has Or as they would say in the vernacular, why don't you just have the shiksa, the guy to do it? Yeah? So that's the first question that Siv has. Visu, and also, Lomak Siv Laechov Why does it say that he asked he asked his children, his sons, who he calls brothers, 
to join him in doing this, or to do it. Elo b'shvil shahay b'zeh ha'inyin midas Yaakov l'shevas betach v'sholim imanoshim. We know that the midah of Yaakov, and it talks a lot about this in other places, that the midah of Yaakov Inu was to do anything that he could to be in a relationship of betach bada to sit in a to live in a relationship that was quiet, peaceful, <coughs> and tranquil. That was his teva to avoid. At all costs, confrontation. Remember his reaction in Pashas Vayechi to what happened in Shechem, right? Yaakovinu's Mahalach is Lasheves Betach, security, Vishalom, there should be security and peace in with everybody. And even though if it was another person, he would have flattened love and out a long time ago. And at the end of everything, love has the goal, the chutzpah, the say to Yaakov, you know, everything here, it's all mine. Everything that Yaakov had was despite love, not because of love. Yaakov didn't. Yaakov didn't react to, to, to that. So Yaakov, you know, Nitziv explains, Yaakov had this ideal that was very, very precious to him. Shalom. Everything should be the Shalom. He's, he's saying stuff that's, that's, absolutely, uh, that's absolutely ridiculous, that's intolerable. But Yaakov doesn't react. Lamana Shalom. Listen to this Nitzu. It's not a question of just building something. He wanted his children, he wanted his children to connect to this Mida that was so dear to him, the Mida of Shalom. Which is the Bechin of Tiferes, Yaakov. He wanted his children, Lahargil Bonav Lamida Zuhaneflo, to accustom them, to accustom them, to bring them in to this Indian, this Avoida of Shalom. Al Kain Siva Oyasam Lelakate Avonum Lashem Kach. That's why he didn't tell the boys, don't worry. You guys just go to Carlos and Gabby's, and I'll have the guy to take care of this. But rather, he engaged the boys in a project, an undertaking, that to him was a very strong statement that he wanted them to hear, that it would last for them for their entire lives. That even with the most difficult person, even when when you've been treated in a way that's unjust, that's unfair, the tachlis is always whatever you can, Laman HaSholem. Not to be right, but to have Sholem. Now listen to what he says. Vim haya oimer, the Nitziv says, Im haya oimer, bonai lik to avonim, if he would have commanded them, get over here, get the rocks together, in other words, bonai, my sons, lik to avonim, get to work. 
Lahoya Niklat, it's the same letters as to be Malakate. Lahoya Niklat Bilavav, what does it mean? Niklat Bilavav, what does that mean? Wouldn't have been absorbed, wouldn't have penetrated deep into their hearts. Lahoya Niklat Bilavavam, Derech Musari Bazer. They wouldn't have absorbed the Musa, the ethical standard that he was trying to impart to them. It would not have been absorbed the same way. It would be just a continuation of what it means to be a child. Daddy says, brush your teeth. Daddy says, go to bed. Daddy says, stop beating up your brother. And Daddy says, get the rocks together. Al-Kain, therefore, the Nitziv explains, Kara, that's why Yaakov says, Kara, Achai, Liktu Avadim, my brothers. Laman Achai Virei my brothers, collect the Avadim. Isn't this beautiful? I hope I'm not the only one that's... that's uh, I was not as blown away by this. Rabbi saying like he said by the, uh, by the shepherds, by the well. Achai. <laughs> you see there was Yaakov's way, right? He said... He said to the guys, Achai, may I and where are you from, Achai, my brothers? It was long before Shlomo Kalbach. <laughs> long before. Al Kenkara Achai, look to Havanim, Lahagid Yoisha Midazu, because Yaakov wanted them to absorb Liklot, not just Lilkot, but Liklot, to absorb in a deep way. That this midah of Shalom, Shagam Blig Zairus Av, it's not a matter of it's not a matter of your father telling you to do this. He wants them to learn that this is the right thing to do. You're growing up, guys. You're not anymore just little children. <clears throat> We're brothers. Not to take away the Derek Eretz, he's a father. Shagam Blig Zairus Av. This this is something which does not, should not in the future, this way of looking at life. I want you to get this. In the future, this should not require a gzeras of, a command that comes down from command center, from the grand puba, daddy himself. Do this, do this, because daddy said to do this. You're too old for that. You're up to my shoulders. That's what it says in the message. <coughs> You're ready, big boys. Of they should understand that even without Daddy telling us this, Abba telling us this, it is proper for us to think about this. To think about Shalom, of what this means, of what our Father's way of thinking is, of how this is an important midah. Because he wanted to educate, to be mechanech the children, how to be mispayes, how to reconcile, to find reconciliation and shalom, even with those who are not good to you. And not only that, and not only that, but to be mekarev, people, even people who have wronged you, to find a way to break through the ice, 
and to and to draw people near to you. So what the Nisiv is explaining is that the shift that takes place from childhood to adolescence is from the status of being a ben to being an ach, a child, to being a brother. The meaning of that is that instead of the basis of the relationship being obedience and authority and the demand for their herods, like fathers always screaming, their herods, their herods, where is he, their herods? That the shift that takes place at this time is from the father basing his authority upon command, that's for a child, and instead shifting over to a relationship that is based upon understanding and communication. The difference, of course, for that shift, the reason for that shift is that little children don't have really much of an identity. Little kids, they don't have an identity. They're just, uh, they're cute little chefzes. You obviously have to be very careful not to hurt them, but they're little chefzes. They don't have a, a, an identity of, of self, of how to define themselves. And therefore, and therefore, there's no pressing need for the little boy to feel that my father understands me. There's no pressing need. There's no pressing need on the part of a child for my father to demonstrate that he understands what is it that I need in terms of a person as a human being that's growing. And because of that, the essential relationship of the father and the little boy is one of sivuyim, of commands. But as, as the boy grows into a man and his personality or the need to define his personality begins to emerge, begins to grow, it would be, and it is, the greatest tragedy for the parents to continue to speak to him and to see him and to speak to him as if he's still a little boy. Because if he's not going to be brought into the partnership of parenting, I know that sounds a little bit corny, but if he's not going to be brought into that partnership, in Laman Achai to understand that my parents get me. And it's not about gathering rocks, it's about gathering myself together. That I have to work on myself. And my father's giving me an opportunity to grow together with, with him and my siblings. The results of that, the results of neglecting that shift is what we're seeing in front of our eyes right now happening. That's what we're seeing in front of our eyes. Really, as I mentioned last week, this is the entire Hakdama. This is the basis. I'm just going to end here. I'm at 12 o'clock. This is the basis of the of the introduction of the Rebbe of the Pisetsna, this is the basis of his introduction to Chavis Al-Tamidim, whereas you know it's divided into two parts, a discussion with teachers and parents, and a discussion with the boys. 
I can't recall any other place that I've ever seen where Hagdom is divided into two parts. And it's called a Siach. Every other Hagdom is a Hagdom, an introduction to what I want to say. The Pizesna begins Chavzat Talmidim with a Siach. I want to talk to each and every one of you personally. Every parent, I want to have a conversation with you. I can't do that because of the limitation of time and space and because the Nazis are about to kill me. I can't do that. But I'm going to write this as a siach, as a conversation, a dialogue. And after he does that, he turns to the boys and he says, now I want to speak to you, Gendelah. Which is the, his discussion with the boys is one of the most moving things that you'll ever see anywhere ever, that was ever written, how he speaks to them. Now he wants us, obviously, to learn both of these sichot, both of these conversations. Of course, it's been translated already twice, and the, the recent translation, which many of the have from the shul helped to finance, is much more readable. I'll just share with you a paragraph or two. It's kedai to go home and to chazer over the both hagdamas, and then Mitzham next week will continue with trying to analyze this more and 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 to put it into the context of history through an amazing piece from Rav Cook. At the towards towards. The, the conclusion of this discussion with teachers and parents, the Rebbe, I'll just go straight to the English. I didn't focus that because I know that you all have the cipher, so I didn't focus that it, but I just want to remind you of, of what's found here at the end of the siyah that he has with the parents and the, and the rebellion. To summarize, in previous generations, every parent or instructor could educate Jewish children and show them the godly path, even if he or she did not adhere entirely the Shlomo Amel's directive of Chanoch Lanar Apidarko. In other words, even if you were not particularly a uh, talented parent, I mean, you might be talented at playing the violin, but you weren't good at parenting. So even if you weren't particularly good at Chanoch Lanar Apidarko, of teaching the child, like Shlomo said, according to that kid's needs and his way, in the old days, the Rebbe says, namely according to the mind and makeup of each individual student or child, but in the old days you can get away with it for the most part. In the old days, we were able to get away with it. One who made exclusive use of commands and habit, stuck to that, through the years of adolescence. Come here and gather the rocks. Could still have a positive effect on his charges. He's <clears throat> talking to, to parents in rebellion. Because children, and even adolescents, had pure, pristine souls and were aware, were honest about their lack of maturity and experience. They had a certain inner thirst, a desire to learn Hashem's ways from any instructor or educator who was willing to teach them. If such a child did occasionally turn away, turn astray and refuse to listen, he himself realized afterwards that he had erred, and if his father or teacher employed corporal punishment, he knew that they were right and he was wrong. They were right and he was wrong. That's my father, that's my Rebbe, he's right, I'm wrong. His spirits flagged, Ruchal Nafal, Bekirbo, that he had been disrespectful and disobedient. And he forced himself to listen to his elders from then on and to subdue his instinctive desires and inclinations. Gradually, such a child absorbed the Torah he was taught and learned to be a loyal Jew. Some children grew to be more learned, some less, but all of them, for the most part, became Jews who were dedicated to serving Hashem. That's how, for the most part, how it used to be. Of course, there were always exceptions, but for the most part, that's how it was. Today, so they're saying today. Yeah. And what's amazing is when he said the word today, it's already 
a long time before today. It's around 100 years ago. So it still hasn't caught on. What the Rebbe was saying still hasn't caught on. Today, things have changed. Children possess a sense of self and independence that are totally disproportionate to their age. Every kid from an early age, 9, 10, whatever it is, each kid is different, already sees himself as being a, a whole big knacker. Like he knows better than his father. Get off my case. Or in more respectful ways, you don't understand me. I never, when I was a kid, dreamt of saying such words to my parents. I thought my mother didn't, but I never would have said it. I thought my father understood me infinitely better than I understood myself. That's how I understood. I was upset if he told me that I can't go someplace. I was upset. But I, and I'm saying, I'm not saying that I was an unusual kid. That's just how it was. I was upset. I wanted to go to play in the in the big game that was in the in the in the, in the uh, schoolyard. I wanted to go, but instead we're going to visit Uncle Itzu. Now I was upset about that. Oh, there was nothing to talk about. There was, there was absolutely nothing to talk about. It wasn't it wasn't in a discussion. It wasn't kicking something and saying you don't understand me. You don't understand me. There was no such thing. I, I was upset for one reason. I, I was looking forward to playing, and I'm not going to play. And it was my mazel. But I never made any kind of a connection to there being some serious problem with, with the man who was telling me this. I never, ever thought of such a thing. My thought was, I'm just going back, and I think about this all the time. My thought was, he's absolutely right. We, 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 we should go to see my aunt and uncle. But I'm a baby, and I'd rather play ball. Because that's fun. And I don't have fun going. It's not fun to go to the relatives. I'd rather play ball. But my father's right. I'm just annoyed by that. But, but I know that he's right. I'm not talking about a thousand years ago. This was, the, this was how myself and my friends, because we would talk about this as we get older, that's how we were raised. Their feelings, aspirations, and outlook begin to take shape while they are still quite immature. Now, you and I are seeing this all the time. Kids that are intellectually maturing, emotionally babies, mamish infants. The girls are maturing much faster generally than the boys. The boys consider themselves ready to be independent. They know everything, and they're unbelievably immature. And again, a cloud. Obviously, there are differences, but a cloud. And when they emerge, they cause these feelings, when they emerge, cause a generation gap between the children and their parents that often leads to feelings of estrangement and hostility. The children of our generation, who had the potential to become true, loyal Jews, have been lost. Instead, they have become our enemies, poking fun and gnashing their teeth at us and our amuna. This is what Shalom foresaw when he warned us, train the child according to his way. Not through commands alone, of course there have to be some, but through true chinuch, an education that is geared to the individuality of each and every child. Skip a little bit, just to end. It is not enough to merely teach the youth that they are duty-bound to listen to their teachers and their parents. 
you have some you have some fathers that they have a chumash that has only one pasuk in it. Kabbat is avicha v'zimach. They don't know anything else. You ask them any other pasuk in chumash. What do you think about bracious? Bracious. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> There's one pasuk. They, they whip it out every time. It says right here. Look what God said. God said kabbat is avicha v'zimach. There's one pasuk in the chumash. It is not enough to merely teach the youth that they are duty-bound to listen to their teachers. This alone will not suffice. It did in the past, for the most part. No, no longer. Because ultimately they will view their teachers as the opposition, because they have their own identity. So they're starting to look at the, the teachers, the rebellion, and their parents as opposition, and as foreign tyrants looking to control them. It's much better than the Lashon HaKadosh, but save time. As we mentioned earlier, the most important thing is to teach them that they themselves are their own educators. We're moving from Bonim to Achim. They are not small children. Rather, they are, the, they, are, they are seedlings that Hashem has planted in the vineyard of Klai Yisrael, and they alone bear the responsibility for the development into, into towering Atzei Chaim, trees of life, righteous and deeply learned servants of Hashem. Skip to the end. It is crucial for parents and teachers to drive home the above message over and over again, as much as is humanly possible. At the same time, they should instill within the child the knowledge that it is he, more than anyone else, who bears the responsibility for his spiritual development to become a tree in Hashem's Gan Eden. Parents and teachers can only instruct the child as to how he should conduct himself and teach him what is it that Hashem asks from them. Their task is similar to that of a posek who answers questions on kashus. The posek's role is exclusively to clarify issues regarding what is halachically permissible and what is not, while the actual responsibility to carry out the ruling rests on the layman, on the balabais, on the questioner. It is his obligation to keep his home kosher and discard that which the posek rendered treif. There is much to be gained from this approach. First of all, when the child grows up with this awareness, he will not view his parents or teachers as tyrannical dictators who are trying to stifle him. He knows that he, with his premature sense of self, is his own boss, so to speak, and that he should actually be grateful to his parents and teachers for being willing to help him lighten his load. And so on. The entire Hagdama, and then the Rebbe goes on to explain how this is the Darach HaBal This whole way of seeing things is part of Irish Mashiach. The light of Mashiach that is, of course, the Darach HaChsidus, the Darach HaBal is this way of teaching, this way of, of, of imparting from one generation to the next, as, a par, as, as opposed to the old school before the light of the Bal Shem was, was, was revealed. And that's what the whole Sefer is about. <coughs> this transition of how to teach. And the Rebbe says a few times, don't waste your time with wondering and asking why has this happened. How come the old way doesn't work anymore? The Rebbe says, it's, no lo- it's not important. You're getting sidetracked. That's Bechlal, not the issue. Why is it different? It is. It's like that, he said, the Rebbe said, in the whole world it has changed. Something came down from Shemaim, and forget about it. Don't, stop, stop talking about it. It wasn't like this by the Zaydi, the Zaydi Fiat Anders. It wasn't like that. You told the kid, he says, the, the Rebbe said, just drop that whole thing, because you're wasting time, and you're getting sidetracked, and your kids are dying. There needs to be a new mahalach. And the new mahalach is 
an ach, a brother, instead of a child. Not instead of a child, it's still your son. And therefore, there's, and not only that, he explains that how this will strengthen the respect of their herds. When the child feels that, that I am brought into the shutfus, not, hey, sonny boy, get over here and, and, and collect the rocks, but kindlech, well, not kindlech, he says, my brothers. Brothers, there's something here that we're working on together. An Indian of, of what it means, shalom. What's the meaning of shalom, like the Nitzvah explains? Let's work on this together. Ultimately, you've got to take the ball and run with it. You're your own balabas. I can't, I can't make you into that person. I can only show you something that I believe is good, and then you think about it and work on it, and, and, and is that something that you could integrate into your personality, and it's who you are? The tachlis is to bring out who you are, not what I need you to do for me, but who you are. And if the who you are means that for you, your Indian is to wear a shirt that has stripes, or to wear a yarmulke that's like this, or a hat that's like that, as long as it's not chalila against halacha, that's who you are, and that's what you identify with, then we'll be partners, we'll be shutfim in that too. We'll be shutfim in that. The dictatorship ends much earlier than it used to. And for those who prefer the, the way of dictatorship, because it usually takes a lot, much less time just to scream and tell them to do something, it's much easier. Instead of, the, instead of what we're learning, that the Torah is teaching us, that the Yaakovina was teaching us, the results are very, very obvious and have a lot to do with the tragedies that we're hearing about and that we're seeing day after day. Mitzvah Hashem, next week we'll continue to understand this in the context of Kol Yimai Yisraelim, Kol Yimai Elim, with an amazing Torah that we're learning, Mitzvah Hashem. I hope you have the page just on over there from Rav Kook to continue with that and to begin to try to understand what is it that's changing in a Nile. What is it that's changing his body and his mind and his soul? What's happening to him? That he needs this stuff. We'll continue next week. Okay.